are listening to the Tudor History and Travel Show, Travel Essentials, the place to be for all the best top tips and inspiration for planning your Tudor adventures. So let's get ready to hit the road with Sarah Morris, the Tudor Travel Guide. Hello my time travelling friends, it's Sarah of course, the Tudor Travel Guide here and welcome to this month's September's Travel Essentials, especially for all of those of you out there who love travelling to touch your Tudor history. We hope to bring you some top tips and inspiration for planning your next Tudor road trip. Now of course as ever, shortly I'll be joined by Philippa Brule from British History Tours. And we'll be talking about a county which is close to both of our hearts, and that is Gloucestershire. This is a glorious county which enfolds an area known as the Cotswolds. It's extremely picturesque and therefore is a very popular tourist destination. And it also contains some fabulous Tudor properties and therefore is a popular addition to any itinerary of somebody who wants to go on some Tudor adventures. So alongside talking about some of our favourite places, and I know both Philippa and I over the summer were out and about exploring various places in Gloucestershire, we have an announcement to make and it is to do with my forthcoming tour for 2022. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be fabulous. Then in the second part of the show, my special guest for this month will be Ali Stott and she is going to be sharing with us her favourite Tudor place to stay. And it's an unusual one, uh, one that I think many people will not have visited or know very little about. So again, stay tuned and you'll be hearing from Ali shortly. And then finally, towards the end of the show, as ever in our third part, I'll be bringing you some of the up and coming Tudor events that you might want to add to your calendar. And there is a big exhibition about to open in London and I'll be telling you more about that shortly. So that's our agenda for today, my friends. Well, why don't we just dive in there and go straight over and join this month's conversation with Philippa as we explore the glorious county of Gloucestershire. Hello, Philippa. How lovely to see you. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Oh, gosh, I'm fine. I'm fine. It's been an epic like six weeks on the road running here there I've been all over the place getting video and podcasts and images and uh, meeting interesting people and and seeing some new places but also catching up with some old historic buildings old friends that I haven't oh, seen wow. for a while well I've been following you on Instagram so I've, I've noticed just how many miles you've covered it's quite impressive <laughs> and what what about you where have you been well I have based myself on Exmoor for the whole of August. I was, uh, I've done the bracing and I went camping. Um, uh, but it's amazing part of the world. So it's not so Tudory, although, um, one of the abbeys there is that I visited was one of the best preserved I've ever seen. It was fabulous, which I'm sure we'll get onto one day. Um, it's an ancient landscape and you can feel it and you will just be walking in the woods and you'll come across an Iron Age fort or a Roman fort. <laughs> it, it's just littered with history. Um, it's also a place that was really significant in training people for the Second World War. Um, so again, you just come across buildings and all sorts of things. It, it, it was it was amazing, but uh, not too trudery. So we won't go into it too much. But it was it was yeah, it was really nice place to uh, to be uh, for for a few weeks. It was lovely. Well, you know, it's interesting you talking about, you know, you come across Iron Age stuff, Neolithic stuff and all sorts of different ranges of um, history. And in fact, I think that's also the same is true for Gloucester now, Gloucestershire, which is, of course, where we're focusing on today. Now, mm. I did say in the intro, of course, that we're going to be focusing as ever on the Tudor history of Gloucestershire. Um, mm. But there's also lots, you know, there's Roman stuff, there's Neolithic mm. stuff. So if your bent is just history, you can actually enjoy all sorts of different um, types of historic places in Gloucestershire. Anyway, what we're going to do, as as I was mentioning at the top of the show, folks, this is the first in a series of um, episodes that we're going to do that take us out of London. We're going to package things up 
conveniently into county size parcels. I'm actually not sure how many counties there are in the UK, in particularly in England. Um, nevertheless, no. <laughs> there are plenty. No, there are plenty. That's the answer to that question. Plenty yeah. to be getting our teeth into. And um, I also mentioned, Philippa, at the top of the show in the introduction, that you and I kind of live in this area. So it seemed a really natural place for us to start. And we've covered one or two places in the past in previous episodes of Travel Essentials. So we're not going to focus on that too much. Hopefully, we're going to uh, be going deeper into maybe some places we've mentioned, but also bringing in some new places as well, both mm. both discrete historic places with Tudor history, but maybe also talking about some of the villages and towns that we particularly love. Mm. So with that, where do you want to start? Gosh, well, we could start in a number of places, couldn't we? I, I, I love what you said there about um, like the amount of history, because what I like seeing as well in places is how things have built on each other. You know, churches aren't accidentally where they are. There'll be something that might go back to ridiculously ancient times that it was a sacred place, and then someone built a church there, and then it gets. And I mean, yeah. Anyway, I was about to go off into somewhere Somerset, but anyway, it's it's. Um, Gloucestershire is fabulous for that. like you say it's, it goes right back to Roman times as well so um, and that tends to be where the Romans stuck their uh, forts you'll get you'll get some of your castles so um, there's also so I don't know where could we start we could start why don't we start with a castle we could start with Barclay Castle good place excellent um, place which is um, it, it, I mean it's it, it's I was going to say it's big. That sounds silly. Of course it's big. But it, it's also really, really complete. Um, I'm not actually sure of its um, Civil War uh, history. Possibly should have looked at that before. But it, it seems to have survived, which many in the region didn't. Um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. And, and it's obviously famous if you go a little bit further back for the murder of a king as well. So Edward the... I was going to say second, second, and third, and I, second, I think. Second, I think. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to yeah. stick my neck out there and say Edward II, yeah. who was who was apparently brutally murdered in an unspeakably horrible way uh, in the dead of night, and was mm. later buried in Gloucester Cathedral. I think you can see his tomb over in Gloucester Cathedral there. So, so yeah, if I remember rightly, uh, Barclay Castle is is you know an ancient castle. It was it was built back when castles were being built you know so I can't remember whether it's the 12th or uh, you know 11th 12th century but somehow it's not quite as um, imposing I don't think it was built so much to be a defensive castle more as a residential um, building and I think you see that today because it's it's actually quite compact for a castle and it's built from this um, very distinctive kind of ready uh, coloured stone. Um, it's a central courtyard castle, circular, which is quite unusual for a courtyard in some ways. And um, what you do have there is you've got the very ancient Norman keep where uh, King Edward II was kept and mm. apparently murdered. Uh, but then you've got the later range, which has been, you know, as families are apt to do, develop them over time. And you've got Really fabulous Great Hall. I mean, I think that's the most stunning feature of Barclay Castle. I've reenacted there many times, uh, listened to musicians play in the Minstrels Gallery and dance there, and it's got the most amazing acoustics. I think it's quite a breathtaking hall. Oh, I haven't had a chance to uh, to uh, experience the acoustics mm. there, but maybe I'll go and have a sing when I'm there. Oh, <laughs> yeah, time. definitely, definitely. Well, the musicians I go with often say, oh, the acoustics in this place is amazing. Um, but the feelings, isn't it? They, they give the, the places amazing acoustics. They, they should do more concerts in places. Like yeah, that. well, I think I think they probably built them with that in mind because, of course, these places were places for feasting and mm. and it wouldn't surprise me if part of that was to create fabulous acoustics. So the, the music and the singing sounded at its best. Um, but the kind of the other really interesting thing about Barclay, of course, is you've got part of the Privy Range apartments that would have been used by Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn when they visited during the 1535 Progress are still there up on the first floor. The interiors have been greatly altered. There are very few um, authentic medieval or 
um, Tudor interiors. I mean, you've got the windows and window catches are authentic. The actual interiors have been changed to a later date. There was one of the um, uh, Lord Barclays, uh, I think, back at the turn of the 20th century, I'm thinking, did a lot of refurbishment. So um, the interiors are not the same. But nevertheless, it's one of those places where you can walk in the footsteps of Tudor royalty and in quite confined spaces. So you get the feeling, you know, you get the vibe. <laughs> yeah, you get the vibe, the energy. As, as, if I remember rightly as well, they have a, a bedspread that was used by Elizabeth I on one of her visits there. Well, they believe it was her bedspread and that's uh, that's displayed as well. And you can get, I mean, it's behind glass, but you can get right up close to it and see the detail of the embroidery. So that's quite stunning to see as well. And you've reminded me, uh, at the top of the, the uh, stairs of the first floor, we've got um, some wall coverings which do date from the early 16th century. And there's all sorts of myth and legends about where they came from. You know, did Henry and Anne leave them there? Um, uh, you know, was it at the Cloth of Gold? Or There's all sorts of myth and legend. I don't know, but I think it is believed uh, that, that, that the actual wall hangings are from that early date. So they're quite spectacular to wow. see as well. Yeah. yeah. It's lovely. I love the objects as well. You know, it's not just about being in the space, but there's an object there as well that that links you, that someone saw or touched. You know, you get that feeling as well, don't you? Mm, yeah, absolutely. So Barclays Down, um, it's sort of tucked to the west of the counties or southwest. Yeah, you're, getting of... near, you're getting near to the River Severn when you go over to Barclay. Um, yeah. And that actually, I think, naturally brings us on to Thornbury Castle, which is a little bit mm. further south, I think. Uh, mm. So if you are visiting Barclay, it's it's really a hop, skip and a jump, if you've got a car, of course, uh, mm. to head a little bit further south. Uh, on the way to Bristol, you will find signs of one of our major motorways, the M5, which is the motorway that heads down into the southwest that will take you off to Thornbury. And now I know we have to talk about Thornbury and we have to talk about Thornbury because both you and I have been there this summer and had our own experiences. So um, why don't yeah. you tell people um, a little bit about Thornbury um, and I, I can jump in on that and then tell us what you've been doing there. Yeah, so Thornbury, so it was the first time I'd been to Thornbury, I'm afraid to say. It's run as a hotel now, so it is... It is a little bit more difficult to just go and pop it. You can, but you kind of need to have a reservation and stuff. So I was there to dress up as a Tudor queen, which is the first time I've ever done that. I know you've done it quite a bit, Sarah, and it, it's oh, it was it was fabulous. It was just amazing to be able to do that. Um, and Thornbury, yeah, so Thornbury it was built by the Duke of Buckingham. And anyone who's watched the Tudor series will know he's the one who who sort of didn't uh, didn't lay down to Henry uh, very early on and lost his head uh, as a result. And this would have been a huge castle, I think, along the scales of Hampton Court Palace type size. And some of the buildings, I think, weren't completed. They look like they're in ruin, but I think that's actually because they were never completed. And um, where you park your car now, you're in the middle of a huge courtyard, I presume it would have been. Base court. Initially, base court, court, the outer court, very yeah. right base court, with a gate in front of you, which would have been the the river entrance. So I'm not exactly sure where the river ran at the, at the time. I think it's riverside as opposed to onto a onto a river, um, and you immediately get the just the idea, the scale, the idea how grand it would have would have been. Um, um, so I found that fascinating straight away because anything that's in ruin or, or not complete, you know, there's a story there and I and I love that. Um, and it was uh, lived in for a time by Jasper Tudor, I believe, so Henry VIII's mm. uncle, and he is buried, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he's buried at the church, which is directly uh, next to the castle. Um, and when you're in these beautiful gardens, again, with... Um, sort of a, a ruined I wouldn't call it a range it was a there was a walkway wasn't there so that the the well when Henry and Anne were there they would have walked to the church via this this walkway uh, around what's now a, just looks like a walled garden but it there was 
far much more. Yeah. Uh, I think there was far more buildings there when they it were. It was there. like it was like a galleried walkway. So I think you could mm-hmm. a covered walkway on the ground floor, but I think there was a a gallery at first floor level which kind of hugged the edges of the walls of the garden and then you've got the old entrance that would have been the privy entrance through across to the church and as you say it's all covered in ivy and flowers so it's it's all very romantic very romantic yes yeah so so flouncing around there in a in a Anne Boleyn dress was, um, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. It was now, people can do that. It's worth, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about my experiences with Thornbury in a moment, mm. but before we move on, people can book to do that very same thing, can't they? Yes. Yeah, so there's a lady called Samantha Reese. Uh, she does the Tudor Royalty Experience. Um, so you can find her under that handle um, on Instagram and her website's the same. And yeah, you can book a day and they really look after you. And you go and they dress you. Um, you have there's a professional photographer, so he's taking photographs of you all day. And you can take your own photos as well; it's fine. Um, they feed you. There's lots of chocolates involved, so that was good. And that you do good. you get to some you get to eat at the castle as well. Uh, so actually in Thornbury Castle, um, and their food is amazing. It, it's a really really lovely day. They had a falconry display as well. So I mean. Yeah, we're actually going to be working with Sam on some of the stuff we're doing, so I'm sure we'll mention her again. But I'm uh, sure we will. Yeah, it, it's it's a lovely, lovely day. And we can put a link to um, the Tudor experience in, in the um, description associated with this podcast and the show notes, so look out for that, guys. If, if you are wanting to book in to do that, I think it's very popular, so you do have to book ahead. I, I've got a feeling she's pretty much booked up already for next year so yeah uh-huh. get in there quick if that's yes yeah, so- and, and it's men and women so you, you know the men can dress up as well that's fabulous well i don't know maybe in the dresses if you want but there's there's definitely men male tudor costumes brilliant <laughs> fantastic well you know thornbury is a lovely as you say it's a luxury hotel it's just undergone a mm. massive renovation project i think over covid so mm. they use their time wisely um again this happens to be another stop on the 1535 progress for henry the eighth and Anne Boleyn. they stayed there i think for around about a week they were due to go to bristol but there was plague in bristol so they stayed at Thornbury and they received the great and the good from Bristol who came to see them there at Thornbury. Now, the as you were mentioning, Philippa, um, some of the ranges survive, some which never got completed are in ruins and some elements of the castle have been lost. So, for example, when you go through the inner gate house, straight ahead, you're, you're faced by this beautiful lawn and a fountain in the middle of the lawn around which the inner ranges would have um, and still stand to some degree. In front of you would have been the Great Hall. That's gone completely. But what does still stand are the privy lodgings that were built for the Duke and Duchess of Buckingham, who were then, of course, used by Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn. And uh, that's one of the most special things. So what I would say, and I was there just more, I don't know, about 10 days or so ago, um, is that you can book afternoon tea there. So you mm. don't have to go and stay at Thornbury. It is quite expensive. So it'd be that if you wanted to stay, you can stay in Henry VIII's bedroom, the, the bedroom that would have been used by Henry VIII in the octagonal tower part of the, on the first floor part of the privy suite. Um, but you don't have to. You can book yourself in for a lovely afternoon tea, which is exactly what we did. Uh, my partner had his 60th birthday this year. Um, so we got a voucher. We went along. We went down in his Aston Martin. What fun. And, <laughs> um, and, um, you go and you can take tea in the restaurant, which is what we did. Now, the thing you need to know about the restaurant is that would have been Anne Boleyn's bedroom. So yeah. directly under where Henry would have slept. So you can sit there enjoying your sandwiches, your scones and mm-hmm. your little cakes. Um, and they do gluten-free, by the way, for anybody who's gluten-free. And you can sit there and just soak up the atmosphere of being in this place. Or you can take your tea in the garden and the gardens are really picturesque because you have the wonderful view of the privy lodgings and these fabulous windows, which I mean, really tall. I don't architecturally, I'm not sure what you would call them, but they are the most incredible sort of um, uh, set of, of windows that cast the 
just the most amazing illumination into the, the chambers inside. And I would just say, folks, that if you want to see any of this, I've just been creating a few reels on my Instagram channel. So if you were to find the Tudor Travel Guide on Instagram and go to my reels, you'll find a couple of videos I've put together, which I shot while I was there, which illustrates everything that we're talking about at the moment. Um, so okay. Thornbury is fantastic. Uh, it's very popular on the Tudor trails. So, um, and for very good reason. Yeah. Now time moves on. I think we should, um, talk about some other places. So maybe just for a moment, we can sidestep away from historic buildings and I could just talk about a couple of villages and, and do pitch in Philippa. Um, the first one I thought I'd talk about is one that's very close to me here and that's Chipping Camden, which is in the north of the Cotswolds. Now, if you want to go and see kind of an archetypal um, 16th century Cotswold village, I would say Chipping Camden would be, you know, pretty much up there. It's full of, it's basically got a high street that's lined on either side by 16th century houses, probably some 17th century as well, and, and maybe later, but you get that fantastic sense of the Cotswold market town that really grew up through the wealth of sheep farming. And that's why you get so many of these gorgeous buildings, because there were wealthy merchants who were dealing in wool, which of course was a huge source of revenue in, in, in Tudor England. So you get these enormous uh, wool churches, uh, parish churches that are founded on all the, the wealth of the, the wealthy wool merchants that lived there. Um, have you been to Chipping? Have you been to Chipping Camden? I'm trying to think. I have to admit that the Cotswold villages blur together <laughs> me a little. Um, I was going to mention Stowe on the Wold um, because I've been there a couple of times uh, in the last year, and it, it, it's probably similar um, in that you, you, it's all concentrated down one street, pretty much. What might be um, interesting that it's got a very famous church door. If anyone's ever seen this, this I can't remember the name of the church, but the church in Stone the World has a door which the tr two trees have grown up around the side. It looks like a fairy door, and it's possibly the most photographed church door <laughs> in the country. I always um, I, I see it popping up on Instagram all the time. Yeah, it's it's one of those places. It's one of those places, and. So you've got that in the middle of the square. You've got a market cross. So you need to, you know, just pop into your imagination a bit and imagine no cars. That's the only trouble with the Cotswolds. There's a lot of cars, but um, imagine no cars. Imagine market day. And the other thing, if you want a little walk, is if you walk slightly out of the village, is um, it, it, I suppose it's a well, but I'd never seen anything like it. It's almost like a, a, a very large trough where everyone used to go and get their water. So you also can imagine, you know, in Tudor times, this ah, is where yes, people would have gone down, got their water and, and made their way back up. And it just gives you that idea of um, what more daily life, you know, would have would have been would have been like for people in Tudor times. Mm -mm. Um, yes, I mean, Stowe on the World is an incredibly popular and you've got your big villages for, for, for tourism. You've got Chipping Camden, you've got Boughton on the Water, you've got Stowe yeah. on the World are probably the three really big, most popular ones. And as you say, the only yeah. downside is because they're popular, there's a lot of people around in the height of the summer, but they are archetypal Cotswold villages. Um, and yeah. I'm just going back to Chipping Camden because there's two things to note particularly in Chipping Camden. Mm -hmm. One is that the Landmark Trust own a property uh, called the East Banqueting House. Now, there used to be a large Jacobean house um, sitting adjacent to the village centre. It was built in the early 17th century um, by the, I think it's the Hicks family. And um, the brother of the builder was the secretary to William Cecil. Uh, so quite well off affluent family. Mm. It was a glorious house and they had glorious gardens and these two banqueting houses. As I said, the house was built in the early 17th century, but then in the Civil War, it got burnt to the ground by the retreating royalist troops. I think they didn't want it to stand in, in a fall into parliamentarian hands. So the house 
completely mm. gone. But on the plateau where the house was, one of the banqueting houses still survives and the Landmark Trust rents that out as a place to stay. So Landmark Trust is a great um, organisation to look at if you want to actually stay in a historic property. They have some really quirky and unusual gatehouses, follies, towers, all sorts of things across all the periods of history. And this just happens to be a really fine example of a Jacobean banqueting house. So that would be a great place to stay. I haven't stayed there myself, but I've seen the, the, the banqueting house and it's just adjacent to the village. Absolutely charming. And the other thing I wanted to talk to you all about is the Cotswold Olympics. Yes, my friends, you did hear me correctly. This is forget the Olympics that's been going on. The real Olympics is here in the Cotswolds. And um, have you ever been, Philippa, to the Cotswolds Olympics? I want to hear about this. No, I haven't. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even know. Does it involve people or sheep? <laughs> no, it definitely involves people, okay. but it's not quite the usual type of Olympics that you would imagine. So just outside Chipping Camden, Chip is very hilly around parts of the Cotswolds and particularly in this part. And there's a, there's a hill called Dover's Hill and it's named after um, this guy who actually founded, he was, a, he was a merchant who lived in Chipping Camden and I think he decided that the populace of Chipping Camden probably young, raucous, testosterone-driven men needed something to let off steam. So he decided, at the, I think it was something like 1612, he founded the Cotswold Olympics. And it's not spelt like the normal Olympics. It's got its O-L-M-P-I-K, I think, or C-K, C -K, so Olympics with a K on the end. Right. And Drover's Hill is a fantastic natural amphitheatre. So if you go and watch the Cotswold Olympics, you sit on the top of the hill and then the um, then below there's a big plateau of land and that's where it all happens. And, you know, you have rather unusual um, competitions, including things like um, the English equivalent of tossing the caber is one of them. I've forgotten what it's actually called, but it's, uh, it's the English equivalent of that. And my favourite, my personal favourite is shin the shin kicking competition. <laughs> So apparently you used to be able to allow to, to wear steel capped boots and oh. bare shins for this, but now they do allow, they have, have, they have prohibited such things, health and safety, of course, and you are allowed to wear straw on the front, you know, straw pads on the front of your shins. But, you know, it's, I've been once to it and it's so different and such fun. You know, it's hilarious. It's just it's uh, it's a bit well there would be many people here who won't, probably won't understand when i say it's a bit like it's a knockout we used to have a a tv series here in the uk where there was all sorts of fun and games and it was called it's a knockout well it's a bit like that but there That's is but good. i but i think to start off the olympics is a torch led procession that goes climbs up to dover's hill um from and i mean, when i say torch i mean flaming torches not 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 you know your torches on your iphone um so i didn't i didn't get to see that but that'd be quite a spectacle and they run it annually and i think the next one is due to be next year and i think it's the third of june at 2022 and again i can put a link if you want to find out more about the cotswold olympics and there's even an original yeah. contemporary book that captures what the cotswold olympics was all about back in the day and you can download it online so i'll put a little notice there so Gosh, you know, time That's is good. just flying by here. Um, I was just going to say then that coincides with the Queen's Jubilee because we've got that next year. Oh, so the wow. 3rd of June will be one of the bank holidays for the Queen's Jubilee. Will it? Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a good year, I think. And if mm -hmm. COVID allows us, I think there'll be a lot going on. A lot going on. I think people are champing at the bit to, to get restarted, aren't they? So it'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just thinking about talking about one other village that I particularly like in the Cotswolds, and that's Painswick, which is just south of Gloucestershire. Um, it's it's quite small, um, but I like it because it's been documented again that Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn rode out from Gloucestershire when they were based at the Abbey at Gloucestershire to visit Painswick. 
So it's a very pretty Cotswold uh, village and it's got a beautiful church with these uh, yew trees, which are really renowned. I think they're, they're absolutely ancient. It's a very, very, very stunning graveyard. Uh, but in, in the church is buried, buried, oh, I can't get my words out now, in the church is buried Sir William Kingston, who was, of course, Anne Boleyn's jailer, um, although his tomb was defaced during the Civil War. So unfortunately... <clears throat> The tomb is really not much to see, but it's 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 good to go and visit it. Um, mm. Have you have you been to Painswick at all? Um, I don't think I have, or if I have, it would have been a long time ago because I, I did live in Gloucestershire uh, at, at some point when I was uh, doing my degree. I did some work experience down there, um, so I'd visited Barclay, and I, I lived in a place called Wooton and Edge and then a place called Dursley. Ah, um, and I'm trying to remember whether I went to Painswick, but I, I and I, no, I don't know. I don't remember enough about it. But one, you said there about the Civil War, and you will see a lot of, um, I was going to say damage, but there, there's lots of lots of Civil War history in the Cotswolds as well. So you will will be tripping over that, um, hmm. and in in the churches, like you say, some of the damage that was done as well, because and anything that sort of went against their beliefs, they had no qualms in destroying, even if it was uh, tombs. So. Yeah, yeah, and actually, interestingly, you mentioned Dursley because that's a place I haven't been, but I just kind of want to go because that was the birthplace of William Tyndale. So I'm like, I kind of, I, I just want to go and sort of go. Yes, I've been here. Um, I've been. Yes, and you've got the Tyndale Monument um, up on on the. Uh, I can't remember which hill, but in uh, in Gloucestershire, that's there as well. So anyone who is interested in in, in William Tyndale, they, there is a monument to him on the top of a hill. You can see that from the M5, actually. <laughs> the M5 <laughs> is the road that you'll get to know very, very well if you're going to go and explore Gloucestershire. It's sort of the main road all the way through. Um, but you'll yes, it's, a, on it's a good point, that, actually, Philippa. Um, so how far would you say Gloucestershire is away from London? The east of Gloucestershire? would be an hour and a half. Yeah, I was going to say, from London, probably an hour and a half, traffic being good. Um, it's not too difficult to get around once you're here. Um, again, traffic dependent. <laughs> um, but uh, probably, yeah, maybe an, it's, it's going to be, what, three quarters of an hour from top to bottom, side to side, maybe? So Yes, I mean, if you were just driving without stopping which is impossible yeah. of course because you'll always be passing something where you're going oh, i want to stop i want to yeah. see this um but yes i mean once you're here it's not not no county is particularly uh, difficult to get around in terms of its scale its size but running north and south through the county is our main motorway as philip was saying the m5 um, that's a freeway for those of you who live over in the us and that will allow you to zip certainly from north to south reasonably easy unless you happen to be on the m5 at a bank holiday weekend when it's very sunny i'll just warn you that it is the major route down to devon and cornwall which is where everybody likes to go for the beaches um and it can be the motorway can get absolutely rammed um so just be aware of that but otherwise um yeah fairly easy to get up and down the m5 yeah, this is, this is another bonus to camping, you see, because you can go whenever you like. So I went on a Sunday and it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. You can travel on a Sunday, do that. Before we go any further, if you enjoy these podcasts, did you know that you can support my work by becoming a patron of the show for as little as $1 a month? A link to find out more about this programme and the different levels of sponsorship available is included in the description associated with this podcast. And while I can't thank you in person, here's a big to say a massive thank you from me. So now it's back to the show. Okay, so now... um... Gloucestershire is particularly close to our hearts. I think we should mention that we, uh, I I said again at the intro to this chat with you, Philippa, that we were going to be announcing something special and we're going to be announcing the tours that are going on next year. Yay! Um, We're being unleashed, at least we hope so. And uh, we've been planning, haven't we? So we are, because this is a county we love so much, and because you 
quite uniquely are able to follow in the footsteps of Anne Boleyn through some absolutely glorious uh, historic Tudor properties um, surrounded by incredibly picturesque countryside. We're really keen to be able to share that with those of you who want to travel and touch your Tudor history, and we'd love to be your guides. And so we've been working, haven't we, Philippa, on the our tour experience that we will be running together for next year. So maybe you want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. So this will be in September 2022. And we're following in part of that 1535 progress, which um, obviously is very dear to your heart, Sarah, and 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 mine too by 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 listening to you so much as well, because this was a really happy time for Anne. And that's that's something that really draws me to it because I think Anne's story can sometimes go to the sad parts and this is a happy part so I like this um and yeah so we're going to literally follow in her footsteps uh, at some of the places um it's going to be a I'm going to count it up now <laughs> six day five night six day tour uh and we do start in Gloucestershire we're going to visit Sudley Castle uh Hales Abbey um Barclay Castle will definitely feature and we've got as well as yourself we have Jonathan Foyle Dr Jonathan Foyle and Tracy Borman joining us as so well excited. so excited they're going to be joining us for talks and I think this will be a, a, a real uh, exciting finish for anyone who's who's into Amberlynn as well because we're heading down for our final night to Hever Castle uh, yes. for a, a, a private after hours uh, tour of Hever Castle as well and and a night staying there so it's 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 I think it's just ideal actually for uh for anyone who who loves Anne oh I don't know if I mentioned Thornbury we will be going to Thornbury Castle as well in that so yes, some yeah. really beautiful places I mean, they really are exceptional I mean I'm so excited mm. because we will be taking people to some of yeah the most glorious uh, Tudor properties that you could hope to visit if you visit the UK. And if you've, if you've been here and you've really stuck to London or mm. you've not been out to Gloucestershire and you've not enjoyed the Cotswolds, it's going to be a real treat. And of course, uh, you mentioned the fact that um, the 1535 progress is so close and dear to my heart. It absolutely is because this is a progress that my co-author and I charted from beginning to end for our book In the Footsteps of Anne Boleyn. And it was it was such a joy to be able to go on virtual progress with Anne and to follow her through those three months in which the royal couple were away. And whilst there was a lot going on at the time, lots of social, political, religious upheaval going on, and we'll see some of that when we visit Hales because it was Absolutely. it was when the couple were at Sudley that Anne asked some of the commissioners to go and visit Hales and to report back on this holy relic, uh, which was supposed to be the blood of Christ. And of course, it was, you know, the, the Doc's blood scandal. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, and then, of course, like all the other monasteries, it was, it was one of the first to be visited, but eventually, of course, was dissolved. So we'll see the impact of that change whilst we're visiting Sudley. Um, yeah. And, you know, but at the same time, it was a happy time. It was Anne's last summer on earth. And there are plenty of reports in the letters and papers of Henry VIII of Anne and Henry being merry together. And they certainly were away on that progress for longer than they anticipated. I think it was about a month longer than they anticipated. So they were obviously having a good time. Of course, um, Anne would have conceived at the end of that progress. And, and then unfortunately, as we all know, things really turned sour um, at the, the beginning of the following year. So mm. it's a it's a precious thing to be able to go from place to place. And hopefully I'll be able to retell and recreate that story, not only the history of the buildings, but what was happening for Henry and Anne around that time. And then to go to Hever to immerse ourselves in the Mecca for Anne Boleyn's fans um, yeah. will be fabulous. And it will I think it will bring us very close to her. And I think what many um, I know this is true for me, and I'm sure for folk listening who love Tudor history and have their favourite Tudor characters, whether it's Anne Boleyn or somebody else, um, what we want to do is get as close to those people as possible. We kind of want to pull back the veil of time and 
and mm. touch touch their lives and connect with them as much as we're able. And these wonderful buildings are going to be able to do that. And yeah. then, as you say, we've got Jonathan Foyle and Tracy who are going to be speaking and they are eight yeah. amazing, gorgeous people and I love them dearly, but they're also very entertaining and, and, and great speakers. So I'm sure we're going to be in for a massive treat. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's going to be fabulous. And, and the whole idea, you know, is we're taking people to these amazing places and they don't have to worry about how to get between them, where the, we, we stay in a beautiful hotel with a spa, which we've got use of as well. So in your downtime, you've got, you've got that. You're fed well. Mm. You're taken from door to door. You know, we, we really aim to look after you as well. Mm. So um, mm. because, I mean, when I started to think about doing tours years ago, the idea was, what can I do that makes it possible for people to totally immerse themselves in the history um, because everything else is taken care of? And that's exactly what we aim to do. So, um, yeah, this yeah. is a this is a spoil yourself, indulge yourself, lose yourself um, in time travel. And as you yeah. say, be pampered along the way. And the other thing, I've just come off uh, doing a Live Like a Tudor weekend with mm. Webster over at the old hall and one of the things that struck me and I'm sure this will be the same for this tour is that is the making of new friends and people who are like-minded and who you can talk to endlessly about Tudor history and Anne Boleyn and nobody is going to yawn or roll their no. eyes or kind of look at their watch you know it's I love that about it's, these, it's wonderful these it's, it's actually a benefit of the tours that I could never have planned for or created uh, I suppose on purpose, but I can tell you for certain that people have made friends on tours and then they come back on another tour with the friend they made off a previous tour. Oh, that's tour. lovely. That's so it lovely. Is, it's wonderful. People make friends all over the world. So yes, there's there's definitely that. Being around uh, like-minded people, you will make some fabulous lifelong friends from what I've experienced so far. So with that in mind, how can people find out more information or even just go ahead and book? Okay, so if you look on my website, which is www.britishhistorytours.com, which is always a mouthful for myself. Why did I call my, my company something I couldn't say? But yes, britishhistorytours.com. And there will be on the tour pages, there will be the information, uh, the itinerary and all the information that goes with the tour. And there's a booking form there. You download the booking form. Make sure you read the terms and conditions, fill out your booking form and email it into office at britishhistorytours.com. But that's all there. Um, all the information, all the instructions on how to book are there. So the other thing we should say as well is there, they're kept small so we have a maximum of 20 people on any tour because it is very important to us that you get the best experience um and i think that is only possible with small groups mm. uh, and so we, we we do stick to a maximum number so if you are interested please take a look and um and get back to me as soon as possible but you can also um if it's not for you this time but you're interested in doing one with us um in the future there is a hear about tours first newsletter list which you can sign up to for free and and then then you don't even have to go looking i will send you the details that sounds perfect <laughs> well thank you so much i hope ladies and gentlemen i will see some of you there because it's going to be just such a, a mind-blowing, fun and joyous experience. Absolutely. So I think with that, uh, Philippa, we may yeah. say goodbye. I think as ever, the time has flown. We've chatted away. There were so many other things I wanted to cover, but maybe we, maybe we need to do a Gloucestershire part two because I've got a lot more places on my list, but time always seems to fly by. But thank you so much for joining me today and I'll see you again next month. Thank you. Yep, see you next month. Bye, everyone. So that's a big thank you to Philippa Brule, as ever, for joining me and chatting about one of my favourite counties, Gloucestershire. And of course, if you do want to join me on the tour next September, then you, I will put links to the British History Tours website in the description associated with this podcast and also in the show notes. It would be wonderful to see you there. So with that, let's turn our attention to my next guest of the day. That's Ali Stott. Hi, Ali. So lovely to see you. Hi, Sarah. Nice to see you too. It's been a few years, hasn't it? Since it's, we... 
it's been many years I was trying to calculate. I think it must be probably seven, eight years, something Ooh, like that. Oh, my word. So we met in a beautiful, historic market town of Marlborough in Wiltshire. And I was giving my Under a Lady Skirts talk, I believe, at the Merchant's House there. You were. I was the events organiser at that time. And I think I'd seen your video online of your lovely talk. And I thought it would be perfect because it was a, a mid 17th century house um, and obviously had had a history before that. So absolutely perfect to have you there. It was a great evening. Well, I'm so, I'm so delighted because you made contact with me and said, have you been to? And, and the answer was no, I hadn't. So <laughs> you are going to tell us about which property day in particular this is about a place you stayed isn't it and so where are we going today uh, we're going to Upton Cresset Hall, which is in Shropshire. And my husband and I stayed in their fabulous Elizabethan gatehouse for our 15th wedding anniversary oh, this you, year. You lucky, lucky thing. So can you tell us a little bit about, um, first of all, where Shropshire, just so that people from overseas who may be not as familiar with UK geography, roughly where it is, and then maybe a little bit about the house. Okay, so uh, Shropshire's in the Midlands. It's to the west of Birmingham, which is fairly central in the middle of England, and it's on the border of Wales. Uh, beautiful county, very, very pretty. Lots to see and do there. And I think Shropshire is not, it's a bit undervisited, actually. I think it's not, you know, it's not that high on many people's uh, agenda of places to go. And it's a bit of a shame because there are some really interesting places there. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is a shame that more people don't go there because it, it's such a lovely part of the country. And the history with Wales as well is is interesting because I think the border sort of wobbled around a little bit and there was a lot of there were a lot of things going on over the Welsh border. Um so you can day trip into Wales from 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 there, of course, as well, which is fabulous. Well, yeah, you're quite right, of course. There's also that that's kind of contended land, the, that that yes. border, yes. <laughs> Um, so, so Upton Cresset House, it's an Elizabethan house. Any little bits of potted history for us? Uh, yeah, it's actually a bit older than that. The Ooh. The gatehouse is Elizabethan. It was built in 1580 by the Cresset family. Um, but the house, the hall, Upton Cresset Hall has actually been there for a lot longer. So I think the hall as it stands is about 1450 in places. Oh, They've okay. done dendo, I know, dendo mm. um, with with obviously later additions, fabulous chimneys. Uh, Sounds weird to say that chimneys are fabulous, but they are showstoppers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and it's um, the drive there was just amazing. I, I literally felt like I was driving back in time because it's a deserted medieval village. So you drive about three miles down a very, very small road. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> and at the end is just a farm and Upton Cresset. And that's it. There's nothing else there. And it's amazing. If you want to immerse yourself... In, in history and in the Elizabethan period, go and sit in the garden outside the gatehouse because it is just breathtaking. Is it one of, is it a typical Tudor garden, like a knot garden, symmetrical, walled garden, or is it, is, is it, is it different to that? Um, the garden for the gatehouse is a tiny little enclosed garden and it has some Georgian features. So it has a Georgian fountain, I think, but it's been done in a Tudor style. It has the, the green and white posts on the gate, um, but you, you step down into it um, and then you can see the lovely archway that goes through the middle of the gatehouse to the front garden of the hall, or it's actually a side garden of the hall. So we didn't actually see their gardens in the in the actual hall, um, but you can you can visit the gardens, um, and they have a plan, I think, to recreate medieval gardens going down to the medieval fish ponds at some point. Oh, so lovely. that's something to look forward to. Now, with this. With this gatehouse being down a long track, it sounds like it's a very peaceful place to be. So it sounds like it would be really lovely if people really want to get away from it. Um, Absolutely. Uh, my husband and I, we, I mean, it was our anniversary, so we just wanted to spend time together in somewhere lovely. And I'm obsessed with history. So <laughs> unfortunately, my poor husband gets dragged to all these places <laughs> I want to see. <laughs> but luckily, he's he's very forgiving and he, he really enjoys it as well. So... Um, I honestly can't remember how I came across this place. Um, we were look we were supposed to go to Lake Garda, and then COVID put that to uh, to the side. So I wanted somewhere special, and and this was special. You 
feel like you're there's no one else in the world it was we didn't see anyone well that's it wonderful was, it, it was heaven mm-hmm. the thing I liked about the gatehouse was that it's unchanged since it was built materially um, so it is exactly as it looked at the time in terms of the fabric of the building. The only thing that's been changed is the uh, partitioning in the attic room, which was the fantastic, humongous room that we stayed in. Um, everything else is is as it was. The room layouts are as they were. Um, they commissioned a, so the Cash family own it now. William Cash, I think, is a publisher, journalist. His family found the the property when it was derelict and it was on the at-risk register and they bought it and there were goats and cows living in the buildings and they've brought it back to such an amazing standard. And they commissioned an artist called Adam Dant to uh, recreate the painted walls. So it's got all this beautiful um, wall painting throughout the whole building. It's stunning. Oh, that's great. And um, so... In terms of the hall itself, can you look round the hall, or is that privately? Is that in private use? No, only? you can you can go to the hall. They're open on certain days of the week. It's all on their website. Um, they also have talks, and they accept visits from groups, organise visits from groups, and they include things like afternoon tea, lunch, lovely buffet lunch, and they've got a sort of old style tent that they do all their all that sort of thing in um oh it sounds very civilized and you start talking about afternoon tea everybody out there will know you you're talking my language absolutely you've got to have a scone wherever you go (laughs) (laughs) I think I decided actually during this summer I was with my partner in Lincoln and um, some of you may have seen um on Instagram I did a how to take your cream tea real and I decided at that point that I needed to make it my business to try cream teas wherever I went so I could maybe write a book about yes. the best <laughs> My husband and I and his best friend from school decided we were going to go to all the National Trust properties and try their cream teas and then rate them. So it's, a, it's definitely it's definitely a book. There's probably a group out there somewhere, the and the National Cream Tea Appreciation Society <laughs> or something like that that I need to join. Anyway, well, that sounds... that we should start one. <laughs> now, if you're if you're staying at Upton Cresset, Cresset. What are the are there any other places nearby that you would recommend people could go and see? Um, there are. We unfortunately didn't see a lot because of COVID and because we just it was only a couple of nights and we just wanted to stay quiet. Um, but we've been to Ludlow before and stayed there and we went to Stokesay Castle, which is amazing, and Ludlow Castle's lovely. And the National Trust has a place called I think it's Wilder Hope Manor, which is an Elizabethan manor house which is not too far away um there's also the pilgrim walks um from much wenlock priory through to shrewsbury and then i think there's another one that goes a bit further afield but um we were lazy and didn't do that we were weighted down by scones so well that's that sounds if you wanted to do a weekend spend two or three days you've got plenty there that you could schedule into an action-packed history full weekend washed down with lovely English tea and scones and cream. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They have other properties as well on the site. So you can stay in the coach house, the moat house, and they have a suite in the main hall as well. So oh, you can stay there. Perfect. I'm doing a great job for them, aren't I? Advertising you, their property. <laughs> I think you are. Um, so what we're going to do, of course, you've mentioned a few different places there. So um, we will put, as ever, links in the show notes associated with this podcast. So just look out for the link to the show notes in the description with this podcast that goes alongside this podcast. Well, that sounds fantastic, Ali. You've sold it to me. Excellent. Um, Beautiful history, great gardens, lovely cream teas, lots of history on offer. It sounds amazing. Oh, absolutely fantastic. I'd highly recommend it. You should should take a group there. That would be nice. (laughs) Don't (laughs) don't tempt me. Um, Anyway, lovely. Well, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing with us your love for Upton Cresset Hall. Oh, well, thank you very much for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. Well, that is, of course, a big thank you to Ali Stott for being our special guest today and sharing with us, well, a lesser known Tudor location, that's for sure. I wonder how many of you have visited Upton Cresset Hall. It's certainly now going to be on my list. 
Right, moving straight along to the final part of the show, where I bring you a handful of Tudor events that are going on either online or in the real world. Now, I'm looking ahead particularly to October and beyond, and I've got three events to tell you about today. Uh, Two of them are exclusively in person, but the third can be available either in person or online, which is rather marvellous. So let's kick off with the first of those events. Now, unsurprisingly, this event is being held on the 31st of October, and you might guess that it's got something to do with ghosts and witches and ghouls. In fact, it is entitled Witches in Tudor Times by Sandy Leong. Now, this is obviously a talk, It's taking place in Leicester. So this is Leicester's Guildhall, which is a lovely old building, part, of course, of the old town of Leicester, not too far away from where they um, uh, dug up, shall we say, Richard III. And it is taking place, as I said, on the 31st of October, obviously to coincide with Halloween. And this talk is taking place between 5 and 6.30pm in the evening, and tickets are £4.50. So that's a bit of a bargain, isn't it? And uh, you can go and book online. Now, of course, uh, links for booking any of these tickets can be found in the show notes. And the link to my show notes will, as ever, be in the description associated with this podcast. Okay, so moving straight along, we're coming to our second talk. Now, this event is both happening in person, but you can also tune in online. Yay! Um, Now, we have uh, Dr. Nicola Tallis this time is talking about Margaret Beaufort, the uncrowned queen, and that is taking place in the Corinium Museum in Sirencester on Thursday the first sorry Thursday the 14th of October between 7 and 8 30 p.m. If you remember and I presume that is of the museum then either in person or online tickets are £6.50 each. Uh, if you are a non-member then it's an extra pound £7.50 and as I said you can either join in person go along and see Nicola deliver her talk or you can tune in online. So that's one for those of you who are in far-flung places uh, or even in different parts of the UK and can't quite make it to Sirencester, which of course is in Gloucestershire. And again, link will be in my show notes. Now, the third event is a biggie and it's one I've been looking forward to actually for some time. This is another big exhibition which is going on in London between the 8th of October and the 20th of February and the exhibition is taking place at the British Library and oh boy do they do great exhibitions when they put them on and this one is called Elizabeth and Mary Royal Cousins Rival Queens. Well the title kind of gives it away um, but as you can imagine this is all about Elizabeth I and Mary Queen of Scots And the exhibition brings together original documents and takes a fresh and revealing look at the extraordinary story of two powerful women who shared, of course, Tudor heritage, their female sovereignty, but were divided on religious grounds. And they have all sorts of amazing original artefacts, documents, letters. And I think looking at the website, the Chequers Ring may also be part of that exhibition and a portrait of Elizabeth I that I have not yet seen. Uh, It is currently in a private collection and I love finding new portraits that are in private collections and gives us a fresh look. And this, this, this does look different. And if you want to see the portrait online you can actually go to the British Library uh, blog page about the exhibition and you'll see the image on there but even better if you can make it in person over the next what five months or so then you are surely in for a treat and in fact it's one that I will be visiting hopefully uh, later on in October and I will definitely be writing a blog about it so if you can't make it then you must uh, tune in and I'll try and get some great images if I can and write about some of my favourite things that I see there. But hopefully you'll be able to make it in person. So once again, tickets this time are available from the British Library, I think from their online shop. Um, I imagine you have to book in advance 
And again, links will be in the show notes. Okay, well, there's something to look forward to there, isn't there? No matter where you are in the world. And I think that, my friends, brings us to the end of this month's Travel Essentials. I will see you again next month. And in fact, that will be the final Travel Essentials, certainly of this series. But I'll tell you a little bit more about that and future plans in the next show. So I hope that's filled you with some inspiration. I know that there are people all over the world who are busy planning trips, as well as people, folk here in the UK looking to next year. That includes me, by the way, and about places they want to visit and see. So yes, I hope that's brought you some inspiration for your your planning, or you can just revel in tuning in online or investigating some of these places online for yourself. Right, well, until next month then, I will see you in October. But until then, my friends, of course, as ever, it is happy time travelling. Thanks for tuning in, folks. Now remember, if you've enjoyed the show, please do like, rate and subscribe to this podcast to spread the Tudor love. Until next time.